evening we're going to continue on in our journey with uh, <coughs> Moses, though Moses isn't here with us. We're... <laughs> There'll come a day when we'll get to meet Moses face to face, hallelujah, and ask him a whole, kind, a whole bunch of questions. But we'll have all eternity to ask them, so there'll be lots of time. Uh, so we, we uh, are journeying with Moses and our, our chapters uh, this evening that we're looking at is um, chapters 35 and then looking in a little bit into verse uh, chapter 36, a few verses there. And uh, so we're looking at this uh, finding God in the journey, but tonight in particular we're looking at a glorious offering. A glorious offering. And now that's one of the most popular topics to speak in the church, about offerings and giving. <laughs> And so that's what we're looking at tonight. So I'm, I'm talking to the faithful here, because you're the ones that come out on Sunday night. So talking to, speaking to the choir. Uh, and, and we're looking at this uh, aspect of contributing to God's kingdom. Um, I don't know. Have you ever had that, those times? Um, I've been convinced of this a few years ago, that every cash that you're at and every person who comes up to you and says, would you like to give a dollar for? <laughs> right? Uh, there's people looking at us all the time, wanting us to make donations, wanting us to contribute. Would you like to contribute too? And I know that West Prince is very, very generous, but you know, there comes a point where I just say, no. And you know, almost like you can just sense the tension there when you say no. Uh, one of my reasons for that is, is uh, the Lord convicted me of that quite a few years ago. Um, Maybe other people don't have places to give, but we've got lots of places to give as the church. Um, and, and I know that if I give it through the Church of the Nazarene, it's going to go in the hands of Nazarene workers and missionaries, and I know exactly where it's going to go, right? So uh, let other people give to those other things, and I'm going to give to what God convicts me to give to. And we shouldn't feel <clears throat> any pressure to give to things that we're not really got our hearts involved in. Like, you know, there should be, I really think we should be giving because we're passionate about something and we're giving it from our hearts. So that's just my own personal rant. Uh, that's not, thus saith the Lord. Paul used to say, I say, thus saith the Lord, and then I, I say. So that's an I say. That's I, not the Lord says. I, not the Lord. I, not the Lord. Uh, so that's one of those. Um, and, and so, you know, but there is a place, uh, even though we think about that, this word contribute can seem like a very negative word, and yet in God's word, and in our passage tonight, we're looking that God is asking people to contribute, that everyone was asked to come and bring a gift, to come and contribute. So let's just pray. Father, we're not dealing with a very easy subject tonight, maybe a subject that's not very popular at times, but it is part of your word, and it's part of the journey with Moses and the Israelites as they were set free from slavery. They were set free to worship you. Lord, we've been set free to worship you. Thank you, Lord. And so there's also something where you want us to contribute. You want us to be a part of that. And so, Lord, we pray tonight that you would help us to learn and glean from this. Some of us, it might be just a word of encouragement of what we're already doing. Some of us might be challenged to do something that we haven't done for a while or maybe for the first time. Uh, Lord, would you guide us, Holy Spirit, tonight mm. into all truth we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
And, and so we can see in this aspect uh, that Moses in this chapter, we won't have time to read all the verses tonight, but Moses in this chapter again <laughs> says to them about the Sabbath. This is verses 1 to 3 at the beginning of this chapter. He reminds them of the Sabbath in chapter 35 of Exodus. And it seems like he reminds them of the Sabbath because he's already spoken to them twice about the Sabbath and it's to be holy and it's God's. And now I think because he's going to tell them to work on the tabernacle and to do work that he needs to remind them again, but don't do it on the Sabbath. See, there's the enemy can actually say to us, well, you're doing a good thing on the Sabbath. You're, you're doing the Lord's thing on the Sabbath. And that makes it okay to work on the Sabbath. And so he's kind of reminding them, no, no, you don't do any of this on the Sabbath. It's just like the manna. They weren't to collect it on, on the Sabbath. And so you're not to do this on the Sabbath. So he reminds them of that. And then he talks about the contributions that were to be made for the erecting of this place of worship, this place, the tabernacle, in verses 4 to 9. Then he talks about all the utensils and the framing and the details in 10 to 19. Then the people bring the contributions in verses 20 to 29. And then he talks about the head workman in verse 30 and on. Do you know, it's interesting that five to six hundred years earlier, this is the God of detail. Our God is a God of detail. Because Abraham, he makes a promise to Abraham in Genesis 15. He says, as the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. The Lord already told Abraham that hundreds of years before. That this is what was going to happen. And so we know, we talked about that, that they came out of Egypt with all this booty. <laughs> it's they came out of Egypt and the Egyptians gave them plunder. So what does that, that symbolize? Plunder is the meaning, the winning of a victory. So a nation got plunder from a nation that they had won victory over. And so yet they never even needed to fight the Israelites. But as they leave, they're to go to ask the Egyptians. And the Egyptians give them all these possessions, all this wonderful wealth as they walk out into the desert. And so now Moses is saying, okay, you know all that wealth that you got? Guess what? God wants you to do with it. And so everyone has a gift they can bring. Everyone can contribute. And so Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, uh, acacia wood, or acacia, I don't even know how you would say that, acacia wood, depends on where, which country you're from, I guess, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod, and the breast piece. And so here we see already he's telling them that's how detailed our God is. He's giving them all the details of what they are to come and bring. And, and we're going to go through these couple verses and then we're going to look at the specifics of what they are to bring. And so it wasn't just things that God was looking for. He's also looking for 
skills? Craftsmen. Craftsmen. And so verses 10 to 19, all who were skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tents and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain and that shields it, the table with its poles and all the articles and the bread of the presence, the lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oils for the light, the altar of incense with, incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with the bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard and its posts and bases and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard and the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes and the woven garments worn by the ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments <coughs> for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Wow. That's a long list. But you know what? Anyone that's been in a building project, I set up a daycare, the list is just as long. <laughs> you think you got it figured out, it looks pretty simple. Uh, I, I know with building, you know you can, put a, you can put a building up pretty quick and then the trim guys take as long as it takes to put the building up. Anyone that's had any kind of finishing work done, right? Because you assume it's up and you think, oh, now it's gonna be quick. You don't realize all the little details, all the work that goes in behind the scenes. And so we see in this passage that God is, is a God of detail and he's starting to share. Moses has been heard, heard from God what this is going to look like. Now he's taking it and he's sharing it with the people. But what's interesting here is it's not just offerings that God is looking for. God is also looking for skills. God is looking for people to be actively involved in the body of Christ. He is looking for people to offer their skills to the kingdom of God. It doesn't say anything there about age. I know y'all sometimes an older crowd at night. Not everyone. It doesn't say, well, I used to do that. Now I don't need to anymore. Let somebody else do it. It's saying that all had a gift to bring and all had a skill to offer. Now, it might not be the same as when you were younger. We've talked about that before. But there's still something to give for the building up of the body of Christ. <clears throat> his temple, the tabernacle. And so those who were wealthy were to bring materials that were wealthy. Uh, those that maybe weren't so wealthy but had a wonderful skill that others couldn't do, they were to bring that. And so there was something for everyone to give and do. Now here's the main emphasis tonight. When everyone gives, the work prospers. So verses 20... Uh, there and it says it again on verse 29 verses 20 and 21 then the whole israelite community withdrew from moses's presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the lord for the work on the tent of meeting for all its service and for the sacred garments and then verse 29 is a powerful verse in this passage all the israelite men and women now, that's interesting there, because all we've been hearing up to this point is men, men, men. But all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord, through Moses, had commanded them to do. And so we see this uh, aspect tonight, some of the characteristics of 
this willingness, the people gave willingly, this verse 29, uh, we see this aspect about giving and what it looks like. See, <clears throat> somebody said, if we were going to do a campaign, uh, we'd want to do an altar call and ask people to bring it now, right? We've been in services where people have tried to manipulate the giving. Uh, Moses sent them all away. Moses had them in the palm of his hand, and he says, okay, now you go home, and if God is speaking to you and you are willing, then you voluntarily give to God. See, it's not emotionalism. It's not whipped up. It was voluntary. They decided once they got home that they would give to this cause, that they would give to God. Now, remember, this is the same group that messed up. This is the same group that when Moses was up on the mountain, they uh, were working on the golden calf. And that's where they took some of God's booty, <laughs> where they took some of the things that were given for God and for his temple uh, tabernacle. They used it to build the golden calf. And so they had sinned terribly and had dealt with it terribly. And now here they are, and they've decided... We want the presence of God with us. We want the presence of God in the middle of our camp. And we want to do what is necessary to bring the presence of God here. But that's a powerful statement. That was their desire, was the presence of God to be amongst them. And so this is voluntary. It's not manipulated. And the gifts were given willfully, and the word tells us joyfully. Now, I've seen a lot of people give over the years, but they don't necessarily always give joyfully. Actually, in the New Testament, a cheerful giver, God loves a cheerful giver. The word, we've said it before, is hilarious in the original language. God loves a hilarious giver. I haven't seen too many people give hilariously to the Lord. We think there was something wrong. Uh, and, and let's realize, too, that this is not tithes because tithes are the Lord's, right? We know that in God's word. He makes that very clear. All of it is the Lord's, and what he requests back from us is the tithes. This now are offerings, right? That's why it's something that it's not commanded. It's given willfully. And these guys were giving it with a cheerful heart. Verse 5 says, whoever is of willing heart... Also, the gifts that the Israelites were giving were abundantly given. See, once somebody starts to give and is excited about giving and things are happening, others pick up that enthusiasm. And so the Israelites, it's evident that by the abundance of gifts that were seen, and that's found in chapter 36. Uh, chapter 36 is a beautiful passage uh, in the fact that so much was coming in, they were told to stop. Uh, verse 5 there, it said, And Moses, Moses told the people, the people that are bringing, actually it was the workers said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. And so after that, verse 6 says, Then Moses gave an order that they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough i think of that song you are more than enough right we sing that that what they had was more than enough to do the work well i've been in church now 30 something years i must say i've never seen that yet wouldn't that be wonderful 
Now, we've seen a lot of generosity and provision in this church. You people are very generous, don't get me wrong. But I've never ever had to say from the pulpit, you know, we've got enough. Don't ever take up another offering. We've got more than enough. Uh, we can always use some more. We can always use some more. Yeah. So, but that is an interesting, an interesting passage in Scripture, right? That that thirty-six verse five, uh, that they were restrained from giving, and so we see that they were giving abundantly. They were weren't there like we heard about the Pharisees in in the New Testament that were counting out their herbs because heaven forbid they'd give God the more than ten percent of their parsley. <laughs> Think about that. That's pretty sad. You got parsley. And chives out in your garden and you're counting them so that you give God exactly 10%. Give him all of it. Like, you know, like it comes a point where it just becomes ridiculous. These guys are abundantly giving. So much so that they're told to stop enough. Another thing that we see in this is that the Israelites were united. They were uh, free to give. And if they decided not to give, that was fine. But the passage kind of tells us that it seemed like everyone wanted to be a part of this project. Everyone wanted to give. They all had something they could give and contribute. Also, the giving of the Israelites was proportionate. I like that passage where it said that they gave, each one gave from what they had. God doesn't expect us to give what we don't have, right? We all have something. And I love this passage too, that it was those that had more or more expensive things and they were to bring it. And some of them were, they had, praise God, goat hair. Hallelujah. They had goat skins. They had leather. Maybe they didn't have the fine gems and the gold and the silver and the bronze. What they had seemed to be a little less, but not in God's eyes. They all had something to give. And it was all seen the same. And so it was proportionate. I, I remember one time uh, a gentleman that I was working with and he said, Pastor, you know, I'm conflicted. And I said, well, why are you conflicted? He said, well, you know, there was this young mom who came in to me and she comes to me constantly with needs. She's a young single mom. And she said, uh, he said that, you know, she has needs again. And uh, I, I gave her money, and I said, you did? And he said, yeah, well, she needed new tires for her car, for, for winter tires. So I went out and bought her four new tires. And he says, I'm conflicted about it. And he says, the wife's not too impressed. <laughs> well, the wife was working hard. They had two businesses that were struggling, and the wife was working hard to pay the bills of both businesses, and he's off buying tires, tires for a young single mom. And uh, he had a heart of gold, eh? And people knew it. People knew it. And they called him uncle, so they would come to him for all kinds of things. So I said, well, I thought you didn't have the money for it. He says, I don't. <laughs> so I said, well, how did you pay for it? He said, I put it on Visa. I said, do you think, brother, that God would want you to spend money that you don't have? If God was asking you to do it? He said, well, I never thought of it that way. See, God would expect us to give what we have, what we don't, not what we don't have. So he wanted to help that young mom, and that's not a bad thing. But why would he go further in debt when he was already in debt and struggling to help somebody who maybe could have got help somewhere else or God would have provided in other ways, but he felt guilty and thought he should do it, and he was paying for something that he didn't have. 
and I don't know how long it would have taken him to pay off those four tires, right? And so I think this passage is saying to us that what's in your hand, we've already looked at that, that's what God said to Moses, right, at the burning bush, what's in your hand? A stupid old staff, but God wanted to use it, right? And so it's the same thing with us. God is looking for what's in your hand, what you have, and your resources, not somebody else's. He's looking at your resources and wanting you to be wise and use your resources for his glory. And so we see that we already talked about that the giving of the Israelites included both material goods and technical services. So God needs goods and services. We live in a day, we've talked about this before, but we live in a day where um, time is a commodity. There used to be a day when money was a commodity. So there was a time when people had very, very little money. And because they had very, very little money, you wouldn't hire somebody to do something in the church. You'd go do it and you'd give your time because the church couldn't afford it. Uh, now we live in a day <clears throat> people have money. But what do they say to us all the time as pastors? Got no time, pastor. Too busy. Too much going on. Don't have any time. So if there's a need, guess what's the first thing they'll do? Let me write a check. Let me put that in the offering plate. There you go. There's my offering. Off I go. You just pay, hire someone to do it, and I'll show up. See, there's a difference in this because it's not just offerings. It's also time. It's skills. It's getting involved, right? As we've often said, time, talent, and treasure, God is looking for. He's not just looking for us to write our checks. He's looking for us to share those gifts and skills that we have for the body of Christ and the building up for his kingdom. One of the things that we live in a day, too, that the contribution of the Israelites was of highest quality. This was to be God's dwelling place. This was supposed to be a place for his presence. <laughs> Pastor Mike and I have been in ministry over the years that we've been in sanctuaries where you think, oh, dear, Lord above. Uh, we've talked about it before where one of the places we went uh, the carpet had worn and had rips in it, so they took some red duct tape and taped all up the aisles, went up to the choir loft, and pieces were missing. And they had cut pieces of the carpet and duct taped it in different places and walked in there, and they were fine with it, not a problem with it. And yet, if you walked into their homes, they were pristine. And somehow, for God's house, that was good enough. But they would never have a carpet like that in their own home. Don't get me wrong. There's places you can worship anywhere. And God, we know there's places tonight that they worship and there's a dirt floor when they worship. But they all have dirt floors. But they all have dirt floors. Right? The, the point is God's place of worship. Like we are the church. Let's remember that. But that place set apart for God to worship is to be beautiful and the best because we serve a God who is holy and deserves our best. Praise God that our sanctuary reflects that. I, I, you know, we don't have anything to worry about with that. Mm -hmm. That we hear so many wonderful comments as people come in since, you know, we've renovated uh, the sanctuary in this building. It's well taken care of. But we're to give God the finest, the best things in our lives. 
And the tendency that we live in right now is that we give them what's left over if we're not careful. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 tells us, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Basically, that saying is if you bring the best into God and you bring your first fruits to God, God is going to bless you with overflow. Amen. But if we are just considering that we're going to give God what's left over, don't expect that blessing from God. Uh, I think a lot today when we think of our time, when, when people will say, well, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. Oh, well, that's convenient, it works, and I'll show up. That's not giving God your best. And so God would want the best. And we can see the Israelites were bringing the finest things to God uh, in order to see this place built. God doesn't want, as somebody said, our scraps. He wants our best. So we see that Israel brought their gofferings immediately. They heard from Moses. They wanted the presence of God. They went home and they were running with their gifts. And they continued to immediately uh, bring these gifts and willingly and cheerfully. And it's wonderful to see that all these gifts came in. But God needed supervisors. He needed leaders. And so in the end of our passage tonight, we see that these uh, men were spirit-filled. Do you understand that spirit-filled individuals are not just the ones up on the platform and the ones that preach and lead worship? That these guys were the supervisors over the skill work and they were to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see in the New Testament that the deacons, the ones that serve tables... Who were they to be, the ones that they chose? They were, first of all, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even serving tables. God is looking for workers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as the Holy Spirit fills these two men, they are men with great skill and intelligence and knowledge and craftsmanship. We see that in our passage I got my verses mixed up here right now. It's at the end there. I realized that today. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Olahab, son of Ashamach, I don't know if that's right, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers and designers and embroiderers in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers. I would say quilters, Margie, <laughs> and all of them skilled workers and designers. The work of our hands, God can use. Our creativity, using a chisel and making something out of wood. The Holy Spirit can give us those kinds of skills and works to be able to do that. And so it's just amazing when you see this creative aspect that God is able to do and give. I'm going to go back. Hold on. What can we learn from this passage? I think we can learn that, first of all, 
God wants us to come and contribute, come and bring what we can to him. He wants us to make those offerings willingly and cheerfully and lovingly. God wants us to put his kingdom first, but he also wants our time. He wants our skills. He wants us to take whatever we have and place it in his hands and say, Lord, I don't know how you can use me, this gift or talent that I have, but use me for the furthering of your kingdom and your glory. God wants us all involved in the building up of his kingdom here in West Prince. And he wants us to offer whatever it might be. It might be things, it might be skills. God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit and enable us to do things that maybe we don't even think we're very good at. Amen. Mm-hmm. I've heard testimonies here in the church of individuals that all of a sudden there was a need in the church and they stepped up to it and God enabled them to do that need because God through his Holy Spirit can empower us and enable us. And that's basically what the spiritual gifts are all about when we read about the spiritual gifts uh, in the New Testament is spirit empowerment. We all have talents, but God wants to give us a spiritual gift that can be used for his kingdom and his glory. Do you know, it's interesting too, as you think about the skills, I think at times when there's projects and when things need to be done, God raises up men and women to do it. I was thinking back in the day when this church was first built. Um, Now I know the building as we studied came from the Salvation Army, but they changed the building in order to put the church here and make it the first church here because they were originally in Alberton and moved here. And that first building would have taken people that were set apart with a passion for God, for the presence of God to be up here in Elmsdale, and would have had to been skilled and set apart for God to do it. When we think about the renovations, when we think about the major renovation that you did over 20-something years ago, God had to raise up men and women who were going to say, yeah, I'm ready to take the church into this next place, this next step. And it's hard work. It's not easy work. But it is God setting people apart for it, empowered by God, equipped, spirit-filled, to move the church forward into the next direction. I've been challenged. We had a little discussion in our last board meeting. What's the next step that God has for us? What does God want us to do with this whole parcel of land over here that's just been sitting? It's going to take some men and women spirit-filled with gifts, that would step forward and say, I think this is what God is saying to us. This is what God would have us do. And so a lot of prayer has to go in that. And it has to come from God. It can't be the ideas of man. So it's not like we have a Saturday and we all come up with ideas and say, okay, that's what we're going to do. But God would be setting aside craftsmen and workers, people filled with the Spirit, to get a vision for what would be the next thing that God would have for us as a church that we should be doing. I just throw that out there. Pray about it. Kind of exciting when you think about it. Would it mean that all of us then, though, would have to bring our offerings and our skills and come behind that, whatever the next vision, next step that God has for us at the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene. That was the church that we used to get to walk in in Milan. Il Duomo. Well, most, a lot of churches and a lot of piazzas are called Il Duomo, which is the cathedral 
uh, and uh, beautiful, beautiful church. Um, one of the beautiful things about Europe is that you get to walk through a lot of these kind of places, eh? Like, they're just amazing. I love walking through the churches. Um, and just, it's just amazing as you walk in and you see uh, all the craftsmanship and uh, love and the passion. Uh, as you study some of these, though, it's quite interesting. Um, one of the ones that I, I really have been following and very passionate about, and I used it once before in a message, is Sagrada Familia in uh, Barcelona, Barcelona, uh, of Gaudi. Gaudi was the one who started that cathedral, and it's a modern cathedral that is still in the presence of being done. It's not finished yet. So that was kind of neat, because after being in Europe, going through all these cathedrals that are old, and they've been there for hundreds of years, to be able to go in Sagrada Familia right there in Barcelona and see this cathedral that's still in the process of being built. Seeing people that came to visit, I love that story, there was a Japanese man who came to visit the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. He went back home to Japan and learned carving, stone carving, and came back, came back and gave his life, he's been giving his life to finish off one of the outside frescoes of, um, of um, the Holy Family on that side of Sagrada Familia. And you know what's interesting is the guide said this, look at the angel's eyes. And if you look at the angel's eyes, they're Japanese. And so that's kind of interesting, right? That he was coming and giving his skills for something he was passionate about and working and finishing the angels above the holy birth. Jesus, uh, Mary, and Joseph and the birth and then the angels were up higher. Well, Gaudi never got to finish his vision, and so this Japanese tourist who came back as a carver is finishing off that vision, that picture. But I, I brought this in because one of the, I brought this picture in because one of the things that I found very, very powerful is the foundations of that cathedral. There were men who spent their whole lives carving the stones for the foundation. That's all they did. Never saw this picture, never even saw any of it. And yet they gave their lives and their energy and their skills and people brought their offerings so that just the foundational stones could be put. That's a big, that's a lot of foundational stones underneath that building. And I thought, isn't that a picture of the Church of Jesus Christ, right? Each generation is asked to participate. Each generation, we're in this wonderful place of worship because of generations that have gone behind us, before us. And now it's our turn to do our part for what God would want us to do here. Mm -hmm. And as this place of worship, as this place for the presence of God that we get to gather in. And so let's be thankful and mindful of that, but let's also ask ourselves, Lord, what would you have me do, even in this season of my life? I love this as I close. The result, after Moses saying, this is what God would want you to do, the people responding and doing it, then they weighed it. And I love this scripture. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has, no, wait, not wrong scripture. I got to go back. I got them mixed up. 
There we go. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was the fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. We do our part, the presence of God shows up. Well, we, that's all we can do is our part. Bring our offerings and our skills to God and pray and do it for his presence and the glory of God shows up. Amen? Lord, we thank you tonight for this passage. It's not one of the most popular passages whenever we talk about con contributing or offerings or giving our time. But Lord, we thank you tonight that we can learn from this. It seems like the Israelites weren't perfect. They made a lot of mistakes leading up to this passage. And they were definitely not perfect afterwards. But somehow they seemed to get this right. And somehow they desired for your presence to live amongst them, to be right in their midst. We saw that picture of the glory of God coming in that newly finished tabernacle, right in the middle of camp. And how their desire was that your glory would come and dwell with them. God, we are reminded then as we come to that first chapter of John, it says that God became flesh and dwelt among us. That God, you came and pitched your tent, as Eugene Peterson says, right in our midst. And so tonight, Lord, your glory is here. Your presence is here. We have sensed it this, throughout this day. And so, Lord, may we have that same spirit of bringing our offering and our skills to you. That we don't know what you can do with it, oh God, but here it is. Take it and use it. And Lord, we also pray tonight that you would fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit to do even greater things for you. And that we would do it all together for your glory. Lord, I don't know what you would have us do as the next step as the body of Christ here. But I know your kingdom is never about just maintaining. It's always something new and fresh that you would have us do. That a generation that is yet unborn, as the psalmist said, might praise the Lord. We might be gone on to glory for the work that we've done here, but generations to come, if you would tarry, would use this place as a place of worship and would find Jesus here. So God, would you empower us in this generation, in this day? Would you raise up supervisors, people with craftsmanship and filled with the Holy Spirit that would have visions and dreams and, and lead us into the next steps that you would have for us as a congregation? We would give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing this closing song?